can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. There's two actually, so um, I'll just read it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And the second verse is found in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Okay, it's up there. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Amen. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Now what's going on with the floors in here? What is that? It looks like there's some kind of like monster on the underneath trying to, trying to uh, I don't want to freak you out but that's what I thought of alright man whoa alright uh, my wife Erin and I we uh, had a relaxing time vacationing last week in Phuket Thailand we had an awesome time. We got to visit the Fifi Islands and saw some gorgeous waters. And uh, we visited the beach where the movie The Beach was filmed. This is the beach. No, it was really cool. It was, it was really beautiful. I highly recommend uh, going on a trip to Phuket if you ever get a chance. Um, and then we returned on Wednesday morning. And we went right down to Tegu because we had to visit family for the Chusok holiday. And then we came back from Tegu, and then we went right to the leadership retreat, which we just had from Friday until this morning. And um, it was such an amazing blessing. Um, God was uh, setting people free from secret sins and lies and false identities, shame, unforgiveness, anger, fear. Jesus was healing wounds, just showing up just, just in supernatural visions and just restoring people's innocence. We had our sister Janae and our sister Krisha. They both shared their testimonies at Hillside. If you want to check it out, be sure to listen to the podcast. And they shared their testimonies of how God was really bringing restoration to them. And um, man, just people renouncing all kinds of idolatry and occultism, curses being broken. And God just did an amazing work. Let's praise the Lord for all the amazing work He did in the last 72 hours. God is so good. God is so good. <clears throat> and for a handful of people, the effect on their countenance was immediate. I heard from several small group leaders that uh, when their small group members came out of their session, they were just glowing like Moses. Their face was just glowing with this joy and this uh, expression of just freedom. It was good. Um, in 2008, we had the same leadership retreat and we had about 42 people in attendance. And that was the very beginning where we were uh, training up leadership for the first time. The following year, we had uh, 57 and then this year, we had our biggest leadership retreat to date with 88 people in attendance. I mean, God is really moving on our church. This is a year of epic faith, and I believe that even with this church plant here at Itaewon, uh, God is really stirring up a movement, a momentum here with New Philadelphia Church. And it's just really exciting to be a part of it. Uh, he's raising up uh, mighty warriors. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and uh, the small group leaders we met last night uh, to share about how God was bringing 
all this healing and deliverance and breakthrough for all these people. And I was kind of like listening to everybody share about their small group. I was just doubly blessed. I was blessed, first of all, that, that all these uh, people that received their healing and deliverance sessions, that they experienced their breakthroughs and they were getting healed. And I was so blessed by hearing that. But I, I was also blessed to see the leaders leading and ministering in this ministry. Because just maybe a year ago or two years ago, you know, a lot of these folks, they were in bondage themselves. You know, they, were, they, were, they, were, they didn't know anything about the Bible. They didn't, they weren't, some of them weren't even Christians yet. And, and to see the room full of people, these small group leaders, just leading their healing deliverance sessions with great authority, with a greater clarity to hear the voice of the Spirit. I mean, it was just such a beautiful blessing for me personally to be able to journey through with that. So I was just doubly blessed last night. Uh, if you're a member of the church or a newcomer, <coughs> all of this is very good news for you. Because... Since the leaders at our church are getting healed, delivered, and walking in glorious freedom, that means that when you come to church, you don't have to deal with leaders that are controlling and manipulative and insecure. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. You get leaders here that will honor the Word of God, that are led by the Spirit, and are able to love you with the pure love of Christ. And I think it's just a beautiful thing what God's doing here with our leadership. Now, two weeks ago, I shared with you a prophetic word that was given to me by Vicky Porterfield. Vicky is uh, one of the head intercessors for Louis Giglio, who does the Passion Movement. And uh, Vicky prophesied and gave me a prophetic word about develop the core. Develop the core at New Philly. So in response to that prophetic word, uh, I formed a group of nine leaders called the Core Leaders. And then these nine leaders, we met in the month of June, and we try to define what makes this church distinct from other churches. What are our values, our core values? And we came up with nine. Uh, these are the non-negotiables of our church. So as our church grows and as we do more church plants, these values are what gives our church distinctives. How many of you in here, you're, 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 you're kind of fed up with cookie-cutter churches? You know, the, the vending machine church, the generic churches, the churches that look the same as any other church. Or we want churches with new wine. Hallelujah. We want churches that are being led with the fresh creativity and innovation and the, and the exciting movements of the Holy Spirit that God's doing all over the earth. We want a church that will really beat with that rhythm. And so we really try to identify what are our distinctives. And we came up with nine core values. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be preaching a sermon for each of these nine core values. And uh, these nine core values are, just very quickly, number one is be extravagant in worship. Two is freedom is for everyone. Three is father the fatherless. Uh, four is be faithful with the small things. Five is the anointing flows from the top down. Six is roll with the punches. If you don't know what any of this means, please stay tuned for the sermons. Uh, number seven is supernatural is natural. Number eight, contend for the kingdom. And lastly, dream big. Okay. These are nine core values that our church uh, leaders that we came up with. <coughs> Two weeks ago, I preached on the first core value. That was uh, be extravagant in worship. And I, I heard you guys had a guest speaker last week here. All right, David Brett. Oh, uh, he's from New Zealand. All right. Our brother Yas hooked it up with our guest speaker. I hope you guys were blessed through David Brett's visit. Um, and uh, so today I'm going to continue preaching through the core values. Last time I preached on be extravagant in worship. Today I'm going to tackle 
Freedom is for everyone. Everybody say that. Freedom is for everyone. So I'm going to talk about freedom today. Because we believe here at New Philly that freedom is for everyone. But what do we mean by that? Freedom is for everyone. So I'm going to try to explain it in three points. Okay. When we say freedom is for everyone, we mean number one, freedom is for you. That's right, you. That's right, you, Ryan. How do you say your last name, bro? Ducker? Ducker. Ducker. Ryan Ducker. Freedom is for you, brother. Sister Sky, freedom is for you. Jason, freedom is for you. Hallelujah. Um, Galatians 5 1, we read that the Word of God says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Doesn't that sound a little redundant? For freedom, Christ has set us free. You know, what the Bible is saying is when Christ went to the cross. He was purchasing our freedom for us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And freedom is not something you just get to enjoy when you get to heaven. Freedom is something that you are to experience now. Amen? Christ is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, Christ has set us free from God's wrath and justice. He's provided atonement through the blood of His Son. He has set us free and justified us. He has set us free so that we can experience freedom while we are here living on the earth. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. In other words, it is for freedom that He has justified us through the death of His Son, Jesus, on the cross. Another way to say it, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, uh, if you're a Christian and you've been getting beat up by the devil, oppressed, getting diagnosed with all kinds of diseases, you're living in fear and you're feeling like you are imprisoned, I got good news for you. Psalm 146 verse 7 says, The Lord sets the prisoners free. Amen? Freedom is for you. The Lord sets the prisoners free. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're living in bondage, don't do that to yourself. Don't allow yourself to live under bondage. You know, the only reason Christians live under bondage is because they allow it. Jesus said, I've given you authority over serpents and, scorp- serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. He's giving you power and authority. He's giving you authority to trample on every work of the devil. If, if that is true, that means that if you're living in bondage, if Satan's got one up on you, he's only got one up on you because you're allowing it. And as Christians, we got to disallow the work of the enemy. We got to say, this is a trespass. And you know what, Satan? I am not going to put up with it. I want you off my grass. I want you off my yard. Get off my yard! You take out your shotgun. You, if you're in America and you believe in, you don't believe in gun control, yeah, you might do that. <coughs> Bible says in Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom. How interesting. You were called to freedom. Did you know that part of God's call for you is not just... His call for you doesn't end with just you becoming a child of God and going to heaven. The Bible is saying, 
God's call for you is inclusive of you experiencing freedom. You were called to it. It is your destiny. It is your inheritance. Hallelujah. You know, the verb to save, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, is often translated interchangeably throughout the Bible with the verbs to heal and to deliver. Isn't that interesting? The, the verb to save is used interchangeably with the verbs to heal and to deliver. You know why? It's because salvation, according to the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is not about just going to heaven. Salvation is holistic and it is inclusive, is, uh, it is inclusive of God saving, healing, delivering your soul, spirit, and body. God is interested in saving the whole man. He don't want to just save your spirit and get you to heaven. And while you're here on this earth, good luck. Okay, He's interested in saving the whole man. That means no matter what you've gone through and the, the hurts and the wounds that are upon your soul, it don't matter how many years you struggle with that. Jesus wants to save that as well. He wants to heal that. He wants to deliver your soul. If you got sickness and disease on your body, all right, and some people, they call this the full gospel. And this is where the Assemblies of God, uh, one of their denominations uses that full gospel. or right? This is what they mean by full gospel. Is that it's inclusive also of your body. And a lot of evangelicals would just stop at the teaching of spirit and maybe some soul. All right, but evangelicals don't like, like talking about that salvation and that the gospel message is inclusive of your body. But you know, you know what? You got to understand that when Jesus was doing his public ministry, a lot of the times, what did he do? He will heal, deliver, he will save, and he will heal people's bodies. He wasn't like, hey, I know you're sick, but I, you know, I can't do anything for you about that. I do it sometimes. That's just my nature. I, do, I just do it sometimes. All right? I can't do nothing about your body, but you know, good news. Your spirit, we're going to take you to heaven. All right, just tough it out. Suck it up. I just don't do that, right? Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers the spirit, soul, and body. And that's what makes good news good news. To a person who is poor and living in poverty in India, what good news is it that, hey, you got to live 40 more years like this, if your life expectancy goes that long, you got to live 40 more years like this in this pitch tar tent in the middle of Noida with your family of five in this nasty little tent. Yes, you got to live in this dirt poverty and I ain't going to do nothing about that. But you know what? Good news. You're going to go to heaven. What kind of good news is that? To the poor, all right? That's why when you go to the missions field and you preach the good news, you preach the gospel and it's inclusive of praying for the sick, the poor, they come. They give their lives to the Lord. When they see the miracles, when they see the healings, just like it took place when, during Jesus' ministry, when they see all that, they respond with their hearts. The gospel, the good news needs to go to the poor, brothers and sisters. Um, so we need to understand that Jesus has not changed. By the Holy Spirit, He continues to save. He continues to heal. He continues to deliver. 
spirit, soul, and body. He continues to minister in that way today through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. He continues to do that. Word of God says, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, the Word of God also says for every Christian, the Spirit of God is indwelling us. He's taken up residence inside of us. <coughs> that means... If you're a Christian and the Spirit of God indwells you, and the Bible also says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That means if the Spirit of God is inside you, that means that bondage has got to go. You can't keep living like that. Don't put up with it. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In God's sight, in heaven's sight, it's a done deal already. So you will notice that when God speaks, He will often speak like it's already done. When He came to Gideon, He said... What did he say? <laughs> the Lord is with you. Oh, that's what I want to say first. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He didn't come to Gideon and say, The Lord is with you, and uh, the Lord will be with you, and you will become a mighty warrior, Gideon. You wimp. All right? God didn't do that. God, in God's sight, it was already a done deal. That's how God speaks. You know why God speaks that way? Because he's outside of time. When you're outside of time, you talk different. And in God's sight, it's already a done deal. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so you know what? You need to believe the Word of God. And say, you know what? The Spirit of God's here. And all this bondage, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know how long it's going to take. But it needs to all go. I need to get my freedom. Because the Spirit of God is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There will be freedom. I'm going to get my freedom and I'll get it to the full. Brothers and sisters, freedom is for you. Just point to your neighbor like this. Freedom's for you. <coughs> That's right. Freedom is for you. Whether you've been uh, promiscuous with four people or 40, freedom is for you. Whether you've been addicted to drugs for two years or two generations, freedom is for you. Whether you have estrangement issues with your mommy or your daddy, freedom is for you. If you're struggling with shame, fear, anxiety, or suicidal thoughts... Freedom is for you. The blood of Christ, the Word of God, and the anointing power of the Holy Spirit is all there to set you free. Freedom is for you. And this is why our church, we, we try to strengthen our healing and deliverance ministry. Because we truly believe that freedom is for you. And if you come into our church as a newcomer or you become a member of our church, it is just eventual time as you're hanging out with us that is going to get into the conversation. You know? And you start opening up, well, you know, I had these issues with my dad, or, you know, man, I got, I got these, I got this weekend sin stuff, man. I, I, got, I got these secret sin stuff. I, when I was a child, uh, somebody did this to me. And you start sharing, it's the eventual time into the conversation will come, um, have you ever thought of healing and deliverance? And then they're like, what? What is that? Okay? And our church, we try to nurture this ministry because we truly believe that freedom is for you. We don't care if you're black or you're white 
or you're Korean native, or if you're half, or you're Korean American, all right? Your freedom is for you. Don't care if you're rich or poor, tall or short, full head or hair. Okay, we'll stop there. Freedom is for you. And we also have small group. We have, we have house church, small group, discipleship. We have discipleship and accountability set up to not only get you free, but to keep you free. So that's got to be your aim when you go into healing and deliverance. That's got to be your aim when you start to pursue your freedom. Your aim needs to be, oh, I got to get free. No, it's got to be, I got to stay free. I got to stay free. And yeah, there's a lot of people, they get their healing, then they lose it. Then they blame God for it. When they get their deliverance, and like a dog returns to his vomit, they go right back into the bondage. And then they try to blame God for it. Or they try to tell me, Pastor Christian, your ministry didn't work. I know what's going on here, all right? Talk to me like that. All right, I did my part. All right, you got to do yours. Freedom is for everyone. Freedom is for you. When we say freedom is for everyone, secondly, we mean freedom is for your neighbor. The vision of our church is to raise up an army of mighty warriors who will go in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. It's right there printed in the front of your bulletin. Vision statement. Our church is committed to raising up mighty warriors. We are committed to raising up people who believe freedom is not only for them, but freedom is also for their neighbors. I want you to tell your neighbor, freedom is for you too. Freedom is for you too. Freedom's for me. But freedom's for you too. I got issues, but you got more. That's what all y'all were thinking. Now, we had this leadership retreat this past weekend, and uh, we had our current leaders minister healing and deliverance for about 50 new recruits. And uh, people start to open up, and these are all true stories without connecting them to names, but people opened up about their strange relationship with their family, their pornography addiction of 10 plus years, their habitual masturbation, their promiscuity with many, many people, their drug use, their drug abuse, their alcohol abuse, homosexual sins, debauchery, how they were sexually abused as a child, how their father left them when they were 10 years old. People opened up about all these issues and how all these issues continue to torture and affect their lives today, even as adults. Even though it happened five years ago, 15 years ago, it continues to oppress them. You know why? It's because Satan looks for opportune times. Now, the Bible says... That, that Satan left Jesus in the desert after the 40 days you know, of fasting. And then the Bible says Satan looked for an opportune time. That tells you Satan's smart. Satan is strategic. Satan's not sitting on some couch and saying, oh, all right, let me attack uh, Sonia today. Uh, let me uh, roll the dice, attack Zach today. All right, he's being strategic. He's like, how can I get Zach's family under bondage over 10 years? What can we use? Right? I mean, he's master team. He's going to look for the opportune times. He's going to look for opportune times. Why am I talking about this? Where we go? Where we go? Where we go? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, all these people, man, 
like they, they opened up about these issues and the reason why it's continuing to affect them is because demonic spirits get in through these different traumas, different sins, different visual sins. Demonic spirits get in there and then it causes that behavior or that activity or that sin to become compulsive. So where you thought you were in control of seeing whatever you want to see, now that activity, that sin is now in control. And Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Right? And so demonic spirits, they're there to torture you that way. One thing, something that happened 10 years ago and it's starting to tor continue to torture you and affect your decisions today. And you know what? God wants to set you free from that. And so at this retreat, all these people open up about all these issues. And you know what? If you really look, <coughs> we had about, how many people? There were 50, right? 50 healing and deliverance questionnaires that were filled out. Dealing with occultic sins, dealing with sexual sins, dealing with... And then we don't even let, uh, have a section where you mention like trauma or inner healing issues. We just let the Holy Spirit leave that part. Because, you know, if you have to write down, well, I got abused as a child, then you feel like you got to fix it. And we don't want that kind of, you know, mindset. We want to just go in and be loved into it. Loved back to life, you know. Anyway, we have all these questionnaires. And if you look through all the questionnaires, it's overwhelming. If you laid out 50 questionnaires in front of you and start reading through all of them, you'd be like, where do we start? <coughs> you know, there's some heavy stuff that was on there. People, you know, you think about it, people, psychiatrists get paid thousands of dollars to help people with such issues. But how is it that our leaders didn't get paid a single dollar, but they were joyful and eager to help people through all these issues? And they weren't even afraid that they were going to mess them up or something. Maybe some of them did mess them up. I don't know. No. But they weren't afraid of that. Why? You know why? Because they weren't, do they weren't actually the ones in charge. They weren't the only one doing it. There was somebody else there. It was the Holy Spirit. Jesus is there through the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit leads. You can't go wrong. I mean, you can even say something stupid. And Holy Spirit will just make, make the person forget it or something. And why did our leaders, why were they so willing and eager to serve in this way? Why? It's because our leaders believe freedom is not just for them, but it's for their neighbors. Freedom is for every person that they sit next to in a Sunday service. Freedom is for the newcomer that just came. And they, they, they stand next to them, they, they're praising God next to them. And our leaders are thinking, you're going to get free, girl. Or, or brother, you know, I was thinking, I'm a, I'm a sister saying that to a sister. Or a brother would be like, man, brother, brother, you got issues. But Jesus is going to deliver you from them all. And you know, this is what we think. And this is what makes us excited. This is what makes us energized. You know, we are, you know think of it the other way. What if we just had a bunch of leaders that get set free and they're living healthy. And every week then they worship, all they care about is me, me, me. And then they got their neighbors here going through all kinds of torment. All kinds of night screams and fears, insomnia, anxiety attacks. person's life is like falling apart, can't hold down a job, can't pay the bills. They're tormented by demons, tormented by their past. And our leaders, all they do is, praise God. I love you, God. I love you, God. 
and they sit next to this person all year long and never once do they reach out. Never once do they think this is a manifestation of love is to bring freedom for my neighbor. But you know what? That's a sad state of a lot of churches, especially in America. I'm an American. I can say that. A lot of American churches, man, they go to church, smile. Hey, how are you? So good to see you today. But the real, real thing is, man, I used to go to church in northern New Jersey. Real affluent Korean-American church. Everyone drove up in a Mercedes or a BMW. Okay? All them, all them, and I'm, I'm, I don't got no love for New Jersey. I'm sorry. Okay, New Jersey is a great state, but I don't got no love for New Jersey. Because <laughs> I, I grew up in Philly. And I used, to, uh, I used to get bussed over to New Jersey, South Jersey, to go to church. And uh, I would bring all my thuggish Philly friends to church. And then there would be all the affluent New Jersey friends. And they'd be all driving their nice cars. And we'd be taking the church van in. And uh, they were getting wearing all these nice clothes. And we were you know, wearing hand-me-downs, you know. And, uh, you know, and we, we didn't always get along, you know. But anyway, <coughs> when I finished college, I was serving at a church in northern New Jersey. And man, man, there were some wonderful people there. But also the majority of the people, they would say, hi, big smile, how are you? But you know what the what they were really saying is I don't really care about you. I could care less about you. Is there something you can add to my life? No. I don't want to really talk to you any further than this. That's what they were really saying every week. Good to see you. I I I, I can look into people. All right. I I knew what they were really saying. You know why? Because over three years, I saw what they were really saying. Went to church every single Sunday. All right. Nobody opened up. Nobody, you know, wanting to open up. Nobody caring for each other. Nobody loving each other. What sad state of the church? That's not what the way we should allow church to happen. That's not the way we should have church. Freedom is not just for you, brothers. Freedom is for your neighbor. <coughs> you know, um, a lot of churches. The only people that get healing and deliverance ministry like freedom ministry the only persons that get healing and deliverance ministry are the people that manifest the phenomena of demon possession how do I know this? because our church used to do the same thing okay back four years ago on Thanksgiving weekend the healing and deliverance ministry of our church began okay and it started with with me helping out two girls within a 12 hour period mind you I didn't get no sleep. 12-hour period, two girls. Totally two independent girls. Full demon possession. And they were both Christians, by the way. If you believe Christians don't get demon possessed, welcome to the real world. Okay? They were true bona fide Christians. Uh, well, at, least, at least one of them definitely was. The, the second one... Okay, second one, we don't know for sure. Okay? She's still under bondage. We didn't do a good job. Anyway, <laughs> full demon possession cases. <coughs> and when I started to look into the ministry to try to help out these girls and finish the work that God had begun in them, I thought healing deliverance ministry was only applicable to people when they get the phenomenal demon possession. So I thought, oh, this ministry, you know, we're not going to need it all the time. It's only going to be, you know, on those really anointed Sundays when, you know, uh, certain demons manifest and, and people experience the phenomenal demon possession. That's what I thought. But the more I looked into it, God started to show me that although the majority of people in the church will never experience demon possession, 
Yet there are people under severe oppression who need the freedom of God. There are people under severe oppression that will never show it, but they need it just as badly or even more than somebody that's reading on the floor. So God showed me. God was like, look, here's how you determine who you're going to help. You're not going to look for demon possession phenomena. You're going to follow the leading of my spirit. And you know, I'll tell you right now, after that Thanksgiving weekend, over a period of four months, I kid you not, over a period of four months, I had over 50 healing and deliverance sessions. By myself a lot of times. And it would be just spontaneous. I'll be serving at a conference with Campus Crusade, and I would do like six healing and deliverance sessions. Boom. And a couple of them, you know, guys manifesting kind of violently. You know, I'll be like, oh, I'm trying to make sure I don't get injured, you know. I don't got no backup there, you know. Bind you, bind you. Hey, I ain't going to help you unless you stop swinging, all right? But I kid you not, there were like over 50 within a period of four months. And God, man, he put me in the school of hard knocks, man. He just, he's just like, look, you need to learn. There you go. Piranha, sharks, everything. All right, but during that time, he taught me a lot of wisdom. And he showed me that freedom is for everyone. Whether they experience the phenomena of demon possession or not. Freedom's for everyone. You know, and on this weekend, we have 50 people we helped, right? Out of that 50 people, only two experienced demon possession phenomena. Okay? 48 didn't, didn't twitch or shake or roll their eyes or speak in a different voice. Okay? But all those 48, they needed freedom as well. <coughs> now, for a Christian, freedom comes through one of three main methods. Or a combination of these methods. Let me just describe them real quick. One is to cast out. Two is to counsel out. Three is to disciple out. Okay? Cast out. Jesus casted out demons. He did it during his ministry. He would say, all right, bring that man over here. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, no. And demons are convulsing the man. And Jesus is like, get out in my name. <laughs> get out. And the person will get delivered. Jesus would cast demons out. And you know what? We should too. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us like that, and He gives us the gift of faith, or He gives us, He know, He indicates the word of knowledge that this person will get set free. Just speak the word, then you move in that authority. If you move, if you're moving in, a, in that great authority, like that type of high authority, then you can do it. Like you can do it in mass, and people will get delivered. I mean, you, you see some evangelists, they look over like a crowd over in Nigeria, and they're just they're just start, you know, in Jesus' name, get out. Get out, and then there will be like, like, like I don't know how many, like eighty people. I don't know, eighty, hundred people would all of a sudden like fall to the ground, and start reading all at the same time. Okay, that's like authority. You cast them out. You cast them out. Um, but that's not the only way you can get demons out. It's not the only way to break up the satanic strongholds. Second is the counsel out. <coughs> and you know what? When it comes down to it, people have misperceptions, and Satan's the one driving these misperceptions. People have all kinds of preconceived ideas of what healing deliverance ministry looks like. Okay? Thanks to the movie, The, Ex- the Exorcism, what is it? The Exorcist? Exorcism. <laughs> the Exorcist and other movies like The Exorcism of Mary Rose or whoever her, what her name was. Uh, through these Hollywood movies, it feeds this fear of what deliverance ministry looks like. But let me tell you right now, let me open the door and let you into one of our healing deliverance sessions. 
Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It does not look like John Michael on the guitar. I exalt thee. I exalt. And, and Marcus and I, get out. Get out in Jesus' name. You try. Get out in Jesus' name. Yeah, you try. Get out. Hold her down. Get out in Jesus' name. Okay. Yeah. It's not like that for four hours. That is not what happens. The vast majority of the time. It, there's demon possession phenomena happens here and there. Okay, but vast majority of times, that's not what happens. <coughs> A lot of times, here's what happens. Um, so why don't you share about your occultic involvement with witchcraft? Well, you know, when I was a teenager, and like, I didn't know, so I was like playing with the Ouija board. I was doing you know, light, light as a feather, stiff as a board. I was like, you know, playing with, you know, all these other things. And I was casting spells on this one boy that was really cute. And I was wanting to make him fall in love with me, but, you know, it didn't quite work. But, you know, I just dabbled with some of the occult. All right, well, let's look up some Bible verses. Let's see what the God says about the occult. You know, this is an abomination to me. All right, you ready to pray? I'm ready to pray. I'm convicted. All right. You repent and renounce of your occult involvement. person repents and renounces, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I want nothing to do with it ever again. All right, and then we declare, you're forgiven. Remember when Jesus ministers, sometimes he'll say, your sins are forgiven. Why do, why do you do stuff like that? Why do you do stuff like that? Why? You know, because it's important for you to know and experience that you are forgiven. And when, when you're living in sin and you're not confessing that before the Lord, you know positionally you're get, you'll get forgiven. You go to heaven. All right? But you're not experiencing the intimacy, love, and forgiveness of God in that, in that moment. All right? And so when you confess, then you say something like, Brother, I declare by 1 John 1, 9 that you have confessed your sins and now you are forgiven and, and you are cleansed from all cultic involvement. All right? And then we, we, we try to follow the leading of the Spirit. And from there, we'll say, if we feel like there's like a spirit lurking around, or if they feel like, oh, I feel heaviness in my chest or something like that, but all right, we'll just pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, we bind up this occultic spirit commanded out of Brother Marcus. <laughs> commanded out in Jesus' name. Right? And sometimes people cough, sometimes people throw up, sometimes people, oh, I feel lighter. That's it. All right, and people get delivered. All right, that's, that's more like what happens... In our deliverance sessions, we counsel them out. And we're not talking to the demons, all right? We're not, hey, you guys ready to go? Can you please go? You've been here for 15 years. Can you please leave this person? We're not counseling the demons out. Okay, we're counseling the person and getting the demons out. All right, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A lot of people say, well, Jesus didn't do deliverance like that. Well, Jesus also said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? When you counsel out, all you're doing is you're honoring the Word of God, and you're standing on it as being true, and you believe it's powerful enough to set people free from all kinds of bondage. All you do is apply it. Like the sword of the Spirit, you cut people free. Third is you disciple them out. Once again, we're not discipling the demons out, okay? We're, but we use discipleship to get the demons out. Okay, you disciple out. If you uh, think about it, <coughs> Jesus never cast it out or try to cast out a demon from Peter. Neither did he try to counsel Peter and get his healing and deliverance. Jesus didn't do that with him. But yet we know that Peter was demonized. How do we know this? Very easy. Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. All right? 
Why? Because Peter was speaking under the control of an evil spirit that had him under bondage. Peter, for whatever reason, had opened up doors for Satan to get in. And Satan here is controlling Peter. All right? But how did Jesus get Peter delivered? <coughs> he was oppressed by evil spirits. He needed freedom. How did he do it? Well, the way that Jesus brought freedom for Peter was not through saying, I command, you, I command that spirit out of him or by having a healing deliverance session. It was through discipleship. You know, good Bible-based love-filled discipleship that requires a no-frills submission to authority all right, is one of the most foolproof ways in which a person will receive their full freedom. It's discipleship. If you want to not only get free, but stay free, guess what? You need to look for a mentor. You need to look for a discipler. You need to submit yourself under a covering and spiritual authority. You know what? In your heart, as I'm preaching this, some of you are thinking, never. I don't answer to nobody. I answer to God. Alright, well, consider this. God is the one who sets in place the spiritual authorities. Submitting to God will often look like submitting to man. Because God is the one who places leaders in their positions of authority. And you're thinking, well, no, I don't got to do that. You know? I don't got to answer all these accountability questions. I don't got to go to small group. Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. And you got that independent, rebellious, prideful spirit. And you know what? We need to get that out. Hallelujah. And the way you're going to get something like that out is through a long-term discipleship. So some demons, you cast them out. Others, you counsel out. Others, you disciple out. Whether you do it one of them, one of their ways, or a combo of these ways, these are ways in which a lot of Christians get deliverance. <coughs> um... God wants you to be free, but He also wants you to set others free. Amen? If God's people are not experiencing true freedom, think about this. How will the rest of the world know that we are God's people? If we're living under the same bondage as all the atheists and all the agnostics and all the Hindus, how are we to be separate, holy, from the rest of the world? Unless we're experiencing true freedom. And uh, this is what Isaiah 61 is all about. When Jesus got anointed by the Holy Spirit, what did He do? All right, when He got baptized with the Holy Spirit, what did He do? He started to do His public ministry. And what did He do in His public ministry? He healed and He delivered. Jesus came to save. He healed and delivered. And you know what? That same anointing that came on Jesus is the same anointing that's available to each and every one of you. You guys are called Christians. I am not the only Christian in here. Chris, Chris, Christian comes from Christ. Christos, a Greek word meaning anointed one. Jesus is not the only anointed one. By virtue of you being called a Christian, what we are saying to each other every time we call each other Christians, we're calling each other anointed ones. Did you know you got an anointing on you? You know you got an anointing on you? You know, you got an anointing on you. You got an anointing. And that anointing comes so that you can heal the broken heart and proclaim freedom for captives. Lastly, when we say freedom is for everyone, 
What we mean by that is we believe that freedom is for all who are created in the image of God. Okay. <coughs> we believe that Christ died to provide freedom for His people, His sheep, that's you. But we also believe here at New Philly that when Christ died, He also died to provide a benevolent freedom for everyone on earth who is created in the image of God. Let me, let me let you all process some of that. Okay? We believe Christ died not only to provide the atonement for your sins, God's people, but He also died to provide a benevolence, a goodness, a general goodness for everyone on earth that's created in God's image. Jesus taught, He said, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to them. Greet not just the people you know. Greet, greet everybody. Even the sinners, the pagans are greeting the people that they know. And even the sinners and pagans, they love the people that love them. What difference is that? Right? Jesus taught and then He said, The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Meaning the goodness of God falls and is given and is available to the righteous and the wicked on the earth. Meaning that is how good our God is. A lot of times as evangelicals, all we get focused on is the goodness of God equating to us going to heaven. The goodness of God equating into salvation, meaning going to heaven. That's the only goodness of God we think about. But there's another goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that has allowed you to worship with freedom today. It is the goodness of God that the entire nation of South Korea is not living under idolatry and oppression. That people are allowed to have the freedom to go to the supermarket, freedom to worship where they please. All right, Everybody in South Korea, not just Christians, everybody who has resident visa status and permanent citizen status in South Korea, they all get to enjoy freedom. Why? Well, at the very top of it, it's because of the cross. You might be like, well, uh, that makes sense to me. I'll tell you right now, the goodness of God has increased on the earth from history past, ever since the cross. <coughs> um, check this out. We believe here at our church that because the cross not only provides salvation and freedom for God's people, but also freedom for everyone. Freedom for everyone made in God's image. And when we say freedom for God's people and freedom for everyone made in God's image, obviously we're not talking about freedom in the same sense. We're not talking about universalism. I am not a universalist. I don't believe everybody's going to make it to heaven. Jesus said... Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the one that leads to life. Few find it. Okay? You either believe it or you don't. So I'm not a universalist. It's not what I'm saying. But when we say freedom is for God's people, I mean the, that, that good, glorious freedom that we all talked about just now for the first two points. But now when I'm talking about freedom is for everyone made in God's image, I'm talking about freedom from poverty. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from being trapped in the sex industry. 
freedom from living under a nation where you have to worship Kim Il-sung and his son Kim Jong-il. Where you can't even get food for your family. Your family, you have to watch your family die. You have to watch your neighbors eat their own children. Freedom from that. That, that kind of freedom is for everybody who's made in God's image. I don't care if you're Hindu, atheist, agnostic. I don't care how wicked of a drug dealer you are. I don't care if you're even a murderer. Okay. Freedom is for all who are made in God's image. That kind of oppression and enslavement and, and trap, that's the work of the devil. I understand God is not going to save everybody. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. There are those who are going to be punished. I understand that. But in the meantime, God is very good to those who are in the waiting period. And you know what? That is what Apostle Paul argues is going to glorify the mercy of God for those who get saved. Because in the face of those who do not receive the mercy of God, who, who end up going to hell, Right? They get rightfully judged. Why? Because while they were on the earth, they enjoyed good things and did not glorify God. They enjoyed good things and continue to curse God in the face. And they only make themselves right for judgment. The Bible says, don't take revenge, but be good to your enemies. Because every time you're good to them, it's like heaping burning coals onto them. You're making them right for judgment. I mean, that is like a real deal look. It's like a Calvinistic look at reality. But let's not travel down that path. Man, I always open up that book. All right, I got to close that. All right, this is not a doctrinal class. Let me keep it to just freedom is for everyone. Okay. <coughs> um, you know what? As I was coming over here, this is not what I preached over at Hillside. But as I was coming over here, I realized, you know what? It is good to live in Seoul. It is good to live in South Korea. You know why? KTX, roads are free. Subways, buses. Man, this is a country of freedom. This is good. I mean, we are, we are enjoying God's goodness. I'm telling you, all this is not made possible without the cross. The cross has made technology possible. Think about, just study history and you will know the Reformation had a huge part to play in the development of industrialization and technology. And the increase of knowledge and intuition. It all occurred when the, when the gospel was restored. When the truths of the gospel was restored at the Reformation, that's when there was an increase of illumination all over the earth. And that's why we have iPhone 4s. <laughs> it's because of the cross. You might, you might be laughing, but look, I'm telling you right now. iPhone 4, it's because of the cross. You better thank Jesus. He's the one who made it possible. And as I'm coming over here, I realized... <coughs> We also ought to not only praise and thank God, but we need to thank American soldiers. Yes, we need to thank Korean soldiers, of course, but you know what? We need to thank American soldiers because you know what? They came and they bled and they died for a country that, that wasn't even their own. You know why they came and they died? Because they believed in freedom. And they didn't just say freedom is for Christians. They said freedom is for everyone. And they came and they bled. We are, we are standing on the blood of thousands of American soldiers. Freedom for South Korea was not free. 
And we need to, we need to, you know, we don't, we don't properly honor American veterans. You know, when Veterans Day comes around, we don't even know what that is here. And I think, I think we need to, we need to thank. And you know what? What the American soldiers they carried is what the church needs to carry today. American soldiers, they manifested and exhibited more the heart of God than what the church does today. Because you know what? The church today, they see Google News, they look at CNN, they read and they, they watch the videos on YouTube of human trafficking. Poverty in India. Refugees. Civil war. Genocide in, in Rwanda. In the Sudan. They watch these incredible injustices, incredible oppression. And you know what the church does? Nothing. They don't they can't even pray. They do nothing. You know why? It's because the church doesn't believe that freedom's for everyone. When it really comes down to it, they don't really believe freedom's for everyone created in God's image. They're just all concerned about this themselves and their family getting to heaven. And you know what? We need to flip the script on that. Because God's called us not just to make disciples of people, but make disciples of nations. We have within us the DNA, the authority, the anointing power, the wisdom of God to shift the entire course of history for nations, for Cambodia, for Thailand, for the Philippines. Just as America and American Christians did for Korea, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, we can do that for another nation today. If we will pull our resources and pray the prayers, we can change the face of a nation like, like say, India, who, which may right now outpace China in the population. And if you ever go to India, I've been to India. You ever go to India, you don't know what poverty is until you've been to India. You don't know what poverty is until you've been to Davao, Philippines. You don't know what poverty is unless you've, you've drove, driven down the streets of Cambodia. And you know what? Those people, they can't do anything about it. Their government oppresses them. They don't have the education. They don't have the resources. They don't even know God. They can't do anything about it. But you know what? You can those girls that are trapped in the sex industry. Girls trapped in the sex industry. You know what? They can't do anything about it. A lot of those girls, they get beat. And they even try to walk down the street without, without permission. Alright? They get trapped into it. Not when they're 18, 21. I mean, they get tricked into it when they're 13, 14. If you go to Cambodia, Thailand border, they get tricked into it when they're 8 years old. They walk across the border to find a job into Thailand. And then these men, they trap them, rape them, put into prostitution at eight years old. Don't you, doesn't your blood boil when you hear stories like that? Doesn't something burn inside of you? That's the spirit of the living God saying this is not to be so. Freedom is for everyone. And you know what? Generations ago in America, if you ever studied American history or you watched the movie Roots, you will know that freedom was not for everyone in America at one point. And even after Abraham Lincoln championed the cause and brought the emancipation of African slaves, even then, freedom was still not for everyone. 
Because you know, it was put into law, but it wasn't actually put into practice. They actually made other laws to try to block the, uh, the application of the law, like segregation. And then we had another champion, a godly man, once again, Martin Luther King Jr. He championed the cause, freedom is for everyone. And you know what? He took a bullet through the heart, believing it to his death. And it is on the blood of Martin Luther King that you go to America today and, you know, for, for many cities, I can't say for all of America, I know there's a lot of racism still. America is the most racist country in the world. Okay, you go to other countries, they don't have racism like that. It's a demonic work. It's a work of the enemy. But man, you see white children, Asian children, black children, they're all playing together. Look at look at look at look at in here. In here is unique, man. You know, you know this church is unique. <coughs> this is a diver, ethnically diverse church, and the irony is it's in Korea. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is when I was in New York, when I was in Philadelphia, all right, 100% of the congregation members were either Korean American or Chinese American or Vietnamese American. Okay, vast majority are Korean American. I was in New York, the most ethnically diverse city in the world. And okay, I was going to a church that was Korean-American, predominantly Korean-American. And then my brother, my, uh, my mentor brother Michael prophesied one time. He said, brother, I see an image of you in a church and it's multi-ethnic. You know, and at that time, at NYU, at Columbia University, all the students, all the, all, all the Christian students, they always talked about, oh, I just dream of heaven. Because heaven, in heaven, there's going to be all these people of different races and color, and they're going to be worshiping God. I can't wait to go to heaven and experience that. And we'll be like, yeah. There are no churches like that around here. <coughs> there are maybe just a few, but very few churches are multi-ethnic in America. They say in America, our Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the whole week. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, but then Brother Michael was like, I see a multi-ethnic church. You guys are moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I'm getting excited to sing. I'm like, I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 2002 or two, 2003. 2002, 2003. 2005, I come to Korea. I come to a church that's still predominantly Korean-American. After two years, I get asked to be the lead pastor. And as, as I come into lead pastor role, all right, one of, the, one of my disciples here, Marcus, right, he's African-American. For me, I grew up in the streets of Philly, right? So I don't really see skin color. I see cultural differences, but I don't see skin color. I, grew up, I went to a high school that was ethnically diverse. I went to an elementary school that was ethnically diverse. I went to NYU, very ethnically diverse, right? So I don't really see skin, skin color. And so, you know, we just, we just doing it. And then we add some staff. We add a Korean American. And we add a Korean native. And we, then we add an African American. Then we add a Mennonite from Canada who's white. <laughs> no. <coughs> Next thing I know, around the beginning of this year, I'm looking around. I'm like, wow, God fulfilled that vision, that prophetic vision he gave to Brother Michael. I am part of a multi-ethnic church. If you look at our staff group picture, it looks like a, a Benetton ad. <laughs> and praise the Lord for that. But why am I going here? I'm getting lost. 
Come back. Freedom is for everyone. <coughs> I'll just close with this. Isaiah 58, 6. Is not this fast? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. You think God is concerned about the oppression in North Korea? You betcha. You think God is concerned about the human trafficking and the, and the crazy millions of slaves that are being used in the sex industry right now? You betcha. God cares. And we as God's people, we, we should care. We need, at this hour, we need the William Wilberforces. We need the Abraham Lincolns. We need the Martin Luther King Juniors of our generation to rise up and begin to say freedom is for everyone made in God's image. Go into politics. Go into media. Go into the education system. Bring long-term reform. Thailand, Cambodia can't be changed within five years. You've got to think more like 25 years. And in that 25 years, build a completely reformed education system. Give the people, empower the people so they can come up out of their poverty, so they can stop selling the children to, into the sex industry, and they can give their ch- children a, a chance. That's why Compassion International is out there. That's why World Vision does what they do. Right, because they believe freedom is for everyone. So that's, that's the core value that we're talking about today. Freedom is for everyone. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, God.